welcome to The Shannon Plan. This is episode 108. My name is Kyle Posey. As always, I am joined by Akash. Akash Anavarathan. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, Kyle. What's up, man? We're, we're thrilled because the 49ers won on Sunday. They beat the Seahawks, slayed the Dragon, so to speak. But Jimmy Garoppolo's back as the starting quarterback. How's it going? Yeah, I'm doing well, man. I mean, uh, we've we've talked about this. Everybody's been talking about this. It seems like nonstop for over 48 hours. So the 49ers, as you all know, lost their quote-unquote franchise quarterback. As soon as he went down, everybody, the media, the national media, it, it's it turned into a – it moved on from, wow, that sucks that the 22-year-old is not going to be able to play football to – well, the veteran quarterback who they decided to move on from for the 22-year-old quarterback is actually better for the team right now. And in some way, shape, or form, to a different degree, that has been the main talking point in the 49ers sphere for two days straight. And I don't like it just because, as I said, it, it takes away any empathy that everyone had for Lance. And now um, it's back to the same old, same old. So we talked about this a little bit before, but do you think it's kind of refreshing and we're not, we're not even there yet because as I mentioned two days still, do you think it will, we will get there and it is refreshing that now Jimmy is the only one on the table, the only quarterback on the table. Yes and no. I think the first part is right, which, you know, when Trey Lance goes down on Sunday, immediately your heart is in your stomach, just feeling for the 22-year-old. And I think initially when he went down, he was holding onto his head. So I thought, okay, maybe it was a concussion. Maybe he, like, hit his head on someone's knee going down on that designed run. And and then you sort of watch the replay. You realize the cart's coming out. You realize, oh, man, it's probably a season-ending injury. You, you know it's never good news when the cart comes out. You're thinking he's an ACL, is it an ankle, is it a knee, whatever. Uh, I didn't have the broadcast on, so I, I didn't hear what the announcers were saying. And you follow along, and you realize it's an ankle injury, and, and his ankle was, you know, uh, pointing a different direction. So I think in that moment, you feel empathy. And then, you know, normally when a starting quarterback goes down and a backup comes in, you deal with a Brock Purdy, a Nate Sudfeld, a true backup quarterback where, you know, you realize it's week two and your season's probably shot. It's probably over, especially for a team that has – as high expectations that the 49ers do, but somehow, some way they had a experienced veteran backup in Jimmy Garoppolo. So you realize they're probably not going to suffer in the same way they would have if it was Purdy or Sudfeld starting. So I think it's kind of a bittersweet thing. You never want to see Trey Lance go down. You never root for a player to get hurt. That's not it. Ideally, best case, you see him play for 17 games. You see him develop all the stuff we had talked about coming up to the season. And that was part of the excitement coming into this year was to see what he was going to look like in all the different situations. And you feel like you've been robbed of it, but at the same time now, all that quarterback conversation we had and how, how much of a leash does Trey Lance have, you know, basically, you know, nitpicking every single one of his plays kind of goes out the window and you go back to, okay, like Rob said, before we hit record, it's kind of like 2019, all your chips are in the middle of the table with a stacked roster, Jimmy Garoppolo, and you basically see how far you can take this, which, again, is the same goal with Trey Lance. It would have been a little different because you're also looking at his development. You're less concerned about Jimmy Garoppolo's development because he is who he is. And now you just try to see how far this team can go this season. Let's say they are going far. Let's say Jimmy Garoppolo is middling, 
maybe slightly above average, but this the Jimmy that we're used to seeing where sometimes he can be effective and the offense has no issues moving the ball. Other times they're stagnant and the defense shrinks the field and there's nowhere to go with the football. But the 49ers are a playoff team. Now, Trey Lance is healthy. Uh, we saw some reports today say that, uh, and these are coming from doctors around the country saying that, hey, Trey Lance might be able to play come week one of the postseason. That is somewhere in the middle of January. So do you think, and I mean, the 49ers already ruled that Trey Lance is out for the season. He hasn't been placed on IR yet, but I imagine that corresponding move after adding Marlon Mack to the active roster will be coming soon. Is there any chance we see Trey Lance as the 49ers quarterback in the playoffs? No chance. And I don't think that's necessarily a shot at Trey Lance. I think big picture, you invested all these picks, trading up for Trey Lance, 22-year-old. You're worried about his long-term, just future health and standing with the team. And I don't think it makes sense to rush him back for the playoffs. I think it'd be different if this were a Josh Allen or a Lamar Jackson or a Dak Prescott or someone that's been in the league for a while. You don't really have a backup quarterback. You're able to keep the season afloat, but you're just trying to rush that guy back because you insert him into the lineup and all of a sudden your team's whole again. And I don't think that's quite the case here. And I think that would be an extremely tough spot to put Trey Lance and he's played four games. And now all of a sudden he's coming off an ankle injury. Who knows just where he is mentally where he's athletically and now he's being inserted as the starter for a team probably with heavy expectations going into the playoffs. And I think that would be a tough spot. It just makes sense to put him on season ending IR, make sure he's ready to go come March, April for OTAs, continue to work on those mechanics, footwork, all the things that they had been talking about, playbook, et cetera. It's just, it sucks that he misses an entire season worth of reps because that's all we've been talking about with Lance for multiple years now right we got to see him play got to see him play got to see him develop and he's going to go into year three with having played basically four games and yeah it's just the unfortunate circumstance of the injury but I think it's Jimmy Garoppolo's show and we talked about this like what's the likelihood that he stays healthy the rest of the season I mean history suggests that not that's not the case so do you think we see Brock Purdy at some point this season yeah that is kind of crazy to think about um 49ers went out of their way to rework Jimmy Garoppolo's contract to have him on the field or sorry to have him back on the roster and serve as the backup quarterback and that was going to be an emergency backup quarterback now essentially five quarters into the season he is the starter and Mr. Irrelevant is the backup quarterback so as we've seen in previous years uh, Jimmy Garoppolo did not get hurt in 2021 and we saw how far the team went in 2020. He missed some time. In 2019, uh, didn't, and we saw how far they went. 2018, missed some time. And, and before his stint with the 49ers, obviously with the Patriots, he missed a couple games too. So it seems like every other year, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo has missed some time. So it wouldn't be surprised to see Brock Purdy. I, I mean, the ceiling just plummets if that is the case of this team. So the good news they have a really, really freaking good defense. So, again, I don't think people are aware of this because we have spent so much time on the quarterback position. The 49ers right now through two weeks, and I know they haven't, you know, played the greatest schedule of quarterbacks because you can only play who's on your schedule. So they are third in EPA per play allowed defensively. They are first in defensive success rate. 
when you watch this team play, uh, their defensive line gets after it, their linebackers fly around, and we're seeing the secondary make plays on balls. So we're seeing uh, Mooney Ward had an interception, even though it was gifted to him. Uh, we saw Emmanuel Mosley make a play coming across the middle on a ball in the air. And, of course, Talanohu Fanga, who out of nowhere, I would say, is quietly performing like a top-10 safety in the NFL. Um, he looks like the real deal. And I – I know it's still really early, but I don't feel like, and I'm not one to normally do this, but I, I, I really don't agree with the fact that we have to wait to quote unquote crown people or give them their flowers when they're playing well. It would be tough for Hufunga to play the position any better than he's playing right now. He just gets it. And when, with the way that he's playing, with the, the plays that he's making, it's pretty sustainable that that's going to keep up. So when they get a guy like Jimmy Ward back, they're going to be even more um, unpredictable and versatile that Jim Garoppolo is not going to have to score 24 points. The offense is going to have to have this burden. Um, they're going to be tough to beat. I would say, I, I think that they're going to win the division. I felt like that was going to be the case with Trey Lance. So obviously a better quarterback, you think that that's going to be the case uh, still. Would you agree with that? Like would, would this season feel like a disappointment if the 49ers don't win the division? And I'm not saying, uh, don't make the playoffs because they can get in without making the playoffs, just like or sorry, without winning the division, just like last year. But um, what, what do you what do you think about that? I've got them winning the division right now, and there were two question marks, or there were two major question marks for you and I at least coming into the season. How would they look at the safety spot? Right, they lost Jimmy Ward for the first four weeks of the season. Kwaski Tart no longer with the team. They obviously insert fifth round you know, uh, pick Talanoa Hufanga into the starting lineup. And how would their interior offensive line look, right? No Lincoln Tomlinson, no Alex Mack, no Dan Brunskill, right? So basically four new starters and five, if you really count Jimmy Ward for, for the first, you know, month of the season, how would these positions perform? And Talanoa Hufanga, I think you've highlighted now a couple weeks in a row at KP underscore show, go check it out you know, just highlighting that he's been phenomenal, whether that's been around the line of scrimmage as a run defender or in coverage, which I guess was a question mark, right, coming into this season. And again, it's early two weeks. Who knows what happens? Is it sustainable? We'll find out. That'll, you know, ultimately raise the ceiling of the defense if he's able to stay that way. But he's looked lights out. And then the interior of the offensive line, I thought Spencer Burford, Aaron Banks looked much better than week one. I thought they were really good in the run game. They had, I think, between the two of them, maybe one blown pass protection. I highlighted a couple of plays. I just thought they looked more comfortable. They just looked better, and I think they're only going to get better with experience. And ultimately, if they can stay healthy and this offensive line starts to gel, that's another area that where we had you know doubts coming into the season. Ultimately, that starts to get better. And so then you just look at the roster around them, and they stay healthy. Like, how do they not win division? And then you look at the Rams. They're battling offensive line injuries. I saw they put one of their starting offensive linemen on season-ending IR today, and I think Troy Hill, their slot corner that they traded for, also went on IR. They're just – I saw they blew a lead to the Falcons and and were able to win, but they were up big, gave up a lead earlier this week. They're dealing with injuries. I just think they take a slight step back. The Niners take a slight step forward, and that's just – you know, the margins are so slim in the NFC West. I think that's enough for the 49ers to ultimately, you know, come away with winning this division. So – I think that's a fair expectation now, and I feel like they're going to pull it off as long as Jimmy Garoppolo stays healthy for, you know, the majority of the season. So just keeping it in the division, 
we saw who the Seahawks really are. They are who we thought they were. They're not good, and we don't have to pretend like they're good. Yes, they beat the Broncos. Who the 49ers will play next week? But that was more about the Broncos um, being incompetent than it was the Seahawks being a good team. So think like think about the one touchdown they scored. Geno had to break a tackle in the backfield, scramble, and a guy was wide open down the field. Those plays are not sustainable. What you saw Sunday was what you are probably going to see from the Seahawks all season, a defense that is going to struggle to get stops. And unless DK Metcalf mosses your cornerback, they are probably not going to move the ball. The Rams, they have some big issues. And so they were up and they were playing a Falcons team that's not very good. They were up 24 to 10 and a half, or sorry, they were up 21 to three and a half. They were outscored 24 to 10 in the second half. And if it wasn't the Falcons, I don't know that they win the game. So the Falcons had a missed field goal. They turned the ball over. They threw an interception. That was on three of their first drives. Matthew Safford, as he does seemingly every game now, threw an interception. Uh, yes, threw two of them, but one was early. So one of the uh, one of the touchdowns that I guess the lone touchdown that the Rams scored in the second half came on a block punt. So I was frustrated as heck watching the 49ers offense. The Rams were worse in the second half. So something's up there and I know there's a Super Bowl hangover. I know that's real. So like this division is for the taking for the 49ers and I I don't even want to acknowledge the Cardinals. Cliff Kingsbury is not a real person. The only reason that they beat the Raiders is because Kyler Murray just pulled a rabbit out of sad time after time again. I don't know that they're going to be able to sustain that. So if you just go down the, uh, each team's schedule, how they how they're playing, how they're probably going to play for the rest of the season, it would be a massive, massive disappointment if the 49ers did not win the division. Okay, let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, we're going to talk about a little spicy Shanahan at the podium and some of his other takeaways after the game. All right, we are back. So I want to talk about a couple quotes from Kyle Shanahan. One came just, he was talking about, and as you guys know, uh, fourth and two, 49ers decided to kick a field goal. That was with Trey Lance in the game. Fourth and two. 49ers decide to kick a field goal. That was with Jimmy Garoppolo in the game. Both of these came on the two-yard line. Both of these came. So the the second field goal when Jimmy was on the field, they had a touchdown on the play before. But Ross Dwelly runs into the snap. The timing's messed up. And sure enough, it's fumble. I, I think that's an emotional decision where you're so frustrated that the play you just called didn't work. You call field goal. And you you say, hey, you had your chance offense. You don't deserve another one. That screams Kyle Shanahan to me before the Trey Lance one. That's probably a quarterback thing in his mind. Hey, we just want to get points, take points where I get here. We're early in the my game. Defense isn't going to open up. Yep, I know my defense is going to give up points, so we're good. In my opinion, when you have an elite defense, and the 49ers do have an elite defense, there is absolutely no reason in the world to not be aggressive. And for whatever reason, that's not how he coaches. They get stopped. We've seen it time and time again. They, It is so hard to move the ball against this defense. So in that situation, it would have been very easy for Kyle Shannon to go for it. If they don't get it, the worst case scenario is you are pinning Geno Smith and the Seahawks on the two-yard line. The odds that you get the ball back at midfield or better are incredibly high. For whatever reason, he would rather trade three points off instead. 
uh, I think I would imagine the probability of you scoring a touchdown is far higher or at least having another opportunity than them being able to even flip the field as opposed to scoring. So that's not how he looks at it, which is kind of crazy to me because later on in his press conference or sorry, in our conference call on Monday, Kyle Shannon talked about the decision to go for it on fourth and nine, I believe it was, which fourth and nine. Oh, uh, wh- hello. Where'd that come from? Was not expecting that. They didn't get it. And Seattle didn't score. So if that wasn't um, a moment that he can learn from or coach from, and he said, yeah, he even brought up, hey, uh, that's a big analytic thing. Some of our guys told me uh, the probability of us converting that is higher than, you know, just punting the ball and that ball, get you know, being a touchback. So uh, he's, he's frustrating. There's no doubt about it. But I think this is just a Shanahan coaching tree thing because all of them do that, whether it's uh, McVay, Shanahan, um, Stefanski, Lafleur, for sure. They they get out to fast starts, and then they sit on these leads. And as Rob points out, uh, Mike McDaniel did not have that problem. Still does not have that problem. They were down huge, big to the, a playoff caliber team, and just kept scoring and scoring and scoring. Uh, that was not the case for the Rams, for the 49ers. We'll see if that changes because obviously they're going to have a chance to play with the lead. The last thing you want to do is sit on these leads. Though. So um, we were talking about, you know, the, the standouts on the other side of the ball, or sorry, from week two, and that consists of Talanova Funga. We talked about the interior offensive line, who Akash wrote an article about on Niners Nation. Uh, the one thing that I was a little concerned about what were those fourth down decisions. Like You can't leave points on the board, man. Um, touchdowns. They matter, <laughs> believe it or not, they matter. And then it just feels like with this team, um, you kind of make a point and you, and you can kind of prove a point, but uh, we're not there yet. If you had to pick one thing from the game that you uh, didn't like as much, what would that be? Didn't like as much. That's interesting. I I, I was caught off guard. I thought you were going to ask me about a standout and I was ready to go. One thing I didn't like from that game, and I think this has been – uh, talked about at nauseum, probably the usage of receivers, right? It felt like we talked about Brandon Ayuk coming into the season, maybe a thousand yard receiver. And it felt like his usage just hasn't quite lived up to the, that billing and that pace. Um, and so I would probably lean there. Uh, Big outside drop of that. on third yeah. long. Uh, Jimmy yeah, actually threw the ball down the field, gave him a chance, probably would have been 30, 40 yards, went right through the wickets. Yeah, that is fair. He's got to come up with that ball. And I think if you, if you watch on the All-22, he kind of slams his hands on the turf. I think he knew probably he should have come down with that one. You know, just flipping it around, I think someone that is a standout that we haven't mentioned yet, Nick Bosa, seven total pressures, couple sacks, couple uh, TFLs looked – way better than he did week one and sure you could probably attribute that to the monsoon wet turf whatever but sure that guy looks like a defensive player of the year candidate so far if he can if he can stay on that hot pace yeah him charles amenahue samson Ebucom. eric armstead really hasn't gotten going but that's just in the box score i thought he did a good job of just pushing guys back resetting the line of scrimmage him and javon kinlaw are tough to deal with even kevin gibbons is in there making plays they are crazy deep at the defensive line position and that's why they're good at the second level that's why they're good in the secondary because uh the defensive line does a lot of the heavy lifting for them and i think that's probably going to be the case 
for the rest of the season, as we expected, though, right? And that when you invest as much as you do in the defensive line, they are supposed to make plays and win games for you. So we, we just talked about some of the fourth downs that Kyle Shanahan made and did not make just as far as decisions goes. Will anything change from him? Uh, and when I say that, I mean, will anything change now that, you know, Jimmy is the quarterback? Because we did see, and many people have pointed this out, the offense, like they just started chucking around once he was in there. But come the second half and how much of that was just trying to get out of there, uh, sit on the lead, you know, that's just what Shanahan does. Or how much of that is like he's just naturally going to be a conservative run, run, pass, run, screen, then actually drop back pass. Like that's just in his nature, it seems like. Uh, he likes to kind of protect the ball, take shots here and there, but rely on his defense. And I understand why he would rely on his defense, but I also think, um, as I've said time and time again, uh, you should be more aggressive. Yeah, I think part of that was, and Kyle Shanahan but Jimmy Garoppolo probably admitted to this post game was that that was a game plan for Trey Lance at quarterback. And Kyle Shanahan just ended up calling a lot of the same plays so I think you saw a lot more verticality down the field than you saw Jimmy Garoppolo rip throws down the field. And like you pointed out, kind of after halftime, they probably made some adjustments, right? They got some time to regroup, probably put plays in that Jimmy Garoppolo is more comfortable with working in. I know he said post game that he likes to sling it around, you know, 2017-ish. That's what he's more comfortable with, but that's not something they do here. Shot at Kyle, or is that – we're just reading too much into it. I don't think Jimmy says things like that without it meaning a shot. And that doesn't have to be specifically at Kyle. That could be him letting the world know, hey, let me throw. Give me a chance. But at the same time, I have seen um, how he played just this last half in the second half. And it didn't seem like um, he was very aggressive. Like when he had a chance to be that there's a rollout where – he misses uh, Juwan Jennings, I feel like it was, and he airmails the throw. Danny Jennings. Gray. Um, the guy behind him is running wide open. And yeah, you're speaking of the wide receiver usage. They they did a good job of getting Ayuk involved, but the way that they had to get him involved was just like underneath quick out routes, one on one. Like that's it. So I I have questions. Um, I, I'm fascinated to see how this season turns out because you have to remember, and I don't think many people have talked about this. They, they don't have, they're not playing a first place schedule and just going back to the quarterback thing. So if Trey Lance does come back next year, he's going to be his first year as a starter is going to be against a first place schedule because we're assuming the 49ers win the division. So um, it's even going to be a bigger uphill battle. And now I, like not to take away from whatever Jimmy does this year, but look at their look at their schedule now. And it doesn't seem like there are many teams like where the 49ers wouldn't be favored. Um, a lot to go in, obviously, a long way to go. So, okay, let's move on and turn the page to Sunday Night Football, a familiar foe. Many people thought Denver would be legitimately one of the better teams in the AFC. Uh Two weeks in, they look anything but Nathaniel Hackett looks in over his head a little bit. He has made some questionable decisions, to say the least. I still don't know if he knows that he's allowed to use timeouts. Um, the line, the Vegas odds, tells you everything you need to know. Uh, the 49ers were, once upon a time, two-and-a-half-point underdogs. I think as of like earlier this afternoon, the 49ers were now favorites. People know – and. 
how much I don't I don't really don't think that that is say just because you know Trey is not the quarterback. I think it's more to do with um, just how Russell Wilson looks. But at the same time, every 49er fan in their you know they know what which Russell Wilson they're going to get. They're going to get the best version of Mister Unlimited. What do you think we see Sunday? You hit on this before we hit record that the Nathaniel Hackett, Russell Wilson combination, just they just look like an inexperienced head coach quarterback combination, right? That's that probably the more they are together, the more they play together, they're probably going to get more comfortable with each other. So if you're a 49ers fan, you're kind of thrilled that this game is week three on the schedule and not like week 16, because the likelihood is that they're probably going to be better, more in sync, gelled come week 16 than they are now week three coming off of a disappointing win. I mean, they were, it was like a tie game against Houston at home, home opener Sunday afternoon. And it kind of took like, I didn't really pay attention to that game, but it took like a late, felt like a late fourth quarter drive, right. For them to win. I think they won like 16, nine and like stats pointed out before we hit record, I think they've only scored 16 points now in back-to-back games. That offense hasn't looked particularly good. I think they're 0 for 6 in the red zone, right? They've had – they were obviously, I think, 0 for 4, 0 for 3 in that first week where they had a couple fumbles, you know, inside the red zone. It just felt like their red zone play calling has been kind of questionable. I know the Niners' offense isn't particularly hot in the red zone either, but the Broncos might be worse. So that's an area of concern. I think the 49ers defensive line can get after Russell Wilson. I know that's been an area of concern in the past because he has the escapability, but I don't know if his athleticism is the same. Like we've been watching him now for what feels like 10 years, 11 years, and he just doesn't have that same level of like twitch that he once used to. And I think the Nick Bosa's, the Eric Armstead's, the Samson Mebukons, like those guys are going to be able to keep up with him now compared to maybe six, seven, eight years ago. So I just think that defensive line is going to have a lot of um, success and ultimately control that front. And 49ers defense has been lights out. You take out the second half in Chicago and they haven't given up a point. So I just think they're going to come in ready to go. And I think that defense is going to control the game once again. Somehow with Jimmy Garoppolo, I feel a little bit more confident in terms of what the 49ers offense is going to look like. Like with Trey Lance, there's a bit of an unknown, right? Like he could be a lot better. You just don't know how he's going to handle the situation. With Jimmy Garoppolo, I feel like I know what I'm getting. Like I know it's going to be kind of a roller coaster. I know he's probably going to throw a pick or two that makes you want to pull your hair out. I know he's going to hit, you know, get the ball out on time. I know that they're probably going to run the ball well. So just given that I, I feel better about this matchup somehow than I did maybe thinking about it a couple of weeks ago. And maybe that's just that's just probably human nature and having some more comfort in predicting something about a known quantity in Jimmy Garoppolo and this team than like an unknown quantity in Trey Lance. But probably how probably I feel like how a lot of people that's that's why I think a lot of people when they say that the team is better now, I think that's probably what they're alluding to is that they just somehow feel more comfortable because they've seen that player and they know what he does, good or bad. And so ultimately, I think the 49ers is a better team. There's a better coach team. That's why they're favored. Like, listen to Vegas. And I think they cover. I think I think they win not quite as big as last week, but I think they come up with a double-digit win on the road, Sunday night football. They make a statement. Holy smokes, double digits. So I do think that the 49ers defense will have plenty of success. I also think this is going to be the first real test for the offense. So – 
I mentioned how the 49ers on defense are top three in both EPA per play and success rate allowed. Denver is top eight um, across the board. So the way that they match up, I think they're going to be able to give the 49ers interior, who we talked about, yes, they played better. Um, I don't think Seattle presents much of a challenge. And that will not be the case against Denver, who has DJ Jones. Jones. And I don't know if you folks have had a chance to watch him this year. Still good, I promise. And Draymond Jones uh, as well. Like he's been very good for Denver. So they have some good interior players and they also have good guys on the edge. So Randy, Randy Gregory, uh, Bradley Chubb, and their secondary like is very Justin good. Justin Simmons. Like, everybody's aware of K1 Williams. Justin Simmons is very aggressive and he is a guy who might be able to, um, I don't want to say trick, but just kind of have Jimmy strong is what I'll say. And Patrick Sertan is the last person that you want to test. He is already one of the five best cornerbacks in the league. Um, they, is the way that they, yeah, and I guess if whether he plays or not will matter, and that will be huge. So the way that these teams match up, I, I think it's going to be a, a pretty low-scoring game. Um, I don't see Denver having much success, and I know the 49ers have – you know, enough talent and great play caller. So they should be able to win and cover, but I don't, I think it's going to be ugly and I know it's going to be a primetime game and also on the road. So the 49ers will be tested. There's no doubt about it. Um, Okay. You, you predicted that they win by double digits. Like what's going to be the reason? Like who? I just think their defense is lights out. I think they force turnovers. We talked about 15 interceptions, I think was like a bold prediction coming into the season. What are they at right now? Three. Yeah. I mean, they force multiple multiple turnovers, multiple different ways. I just think this defense is more explosive than they were last year. And I think ultimately that's going to be their swan song. That's going to be the thing that carries them far this season. And I think Vegas had the over-under. DraftKings set it to like 42, 43, somewhere in that range. So they were thinking, again, low-scoring game. I would probably agree with that. Denver hasn't scored more than 16. I don't think that changes. I see like a 24-13 type game. I just think the Niners' defense gets after it. And run game, Jimmy, you know what you know what they're going to give you. Short fields. I just think they get to 24-13 Niners. I'm going to go 22-13. Like I think it's going to be a struggle on both sides of the ball. Um, there will probably be big plays on both sides as well, just because I don't think there would be a 49ers game without a big play. And then we we have seen some coverage busts and, or just quarterback scrambling, I guess is the easiest way to put it. And we know Russell Wilson is going to scramble. Will he be able to make the plays? He has generally when he's played the 49ers, but a uh, new team, new supporting cast. So we'll see. Um, it's tough to bet on – Nate Hackett, like with everything that we've seen from him so far. So I think 49ers do have a significant edge in the coaching battle as well. So I'm going to go 20 to 13. Again, uh, very low scoring, not expecting many fireworks, even though it is a primetime game. And uh, that's what people might think will happen. But that'll do it for us. Uh, thanks, as always, for listening. Please rate, subscribe, review, leave us five stars wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Uh, follow me on Twitter, KP underscore show. And Akash, where can we find you? 
Follow me at Twitter, A-K-A-S-H-A-N-A-V. And like KP mentioned, appreciate everyone listening, sticking with Niners Nation Podcast Network. We do thank you guys for listening and tuning in. One thing we didn't talk about, George Kittle might be coming back this week. Added bonus. Hopefully 85 is out there on the field. That's going to be a welcome sight, especially, I think, because Tyler Croft is, is out now, right? Injured, injured reserve. So also an added bonus heading into Denver. I think that could factor into why I think they win. So with that, go Niners. If you want to crown them, then crown their ass.